Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur on the Grow podcast. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jared, and I'm the head of education here at Startup School. Today, I'm joined by a local entrepreneur on a very, very important mission, which is to bring hope, access, and opportunity to the youth of South Africa. Jared Raisin, uh, am I saying that right, Jared? The surname? Yes. Raisin. <laughs> 100%. Founder of Trusted Interns and the Shift Tomorrow movement. Uh, Jared is a great name, obviously, so um, I'm sure, that, sure we're going to love today's, today's talk. But more than that, we're super excited to hear your story, to learn a little bit more. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for having me, Jared. I'm really excited. Jared, why don't you kick us off by telling us uh, a little bit more about Trusted Interns. What, what is it all about? Sure. So I founded Trusted Interns close to three years ago now, and we have a very simple purpose, which is to help unemployed youth get their first job. Uh, it's, it's a bigger challenge than it sounds like, um, and we have learned a lot over this time. But essentially what we do is we're a, a community technology and data driven organization uh, that marries the opportunities between the youth of South Africa and businesses and organizations looking to create employment opportunities. Sure. That sounds awesome. Uh, lots of work to be done in, in this space. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you studied accounting and finance at UCT, but it seems that your heart really has always been in entrepreneurship. Um, and I know that you've been involved in a number of startups going right back to your days at uni as a university student and not all of them, though, were, were embedded in the same drive um, for social impact as this one clearly, clearly has. Um, what did your journey look like to get where you are today? Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting question because I'm very entrenched in the social impact space now. And you're right. It wasn't always like that. So, yeah, um, I've always been an entrepreneur. Uh, started my first few businesses while I was still in school. Um, largely because I just loved the hustle uh, and I loved just making things work. But to be honest, it was also uh, quite a bit due to necessity. So if I wanted to uh, live the same kind of lifestyle as my peers, and I mean like buying stuff from the tuck shop or going to a movie on the weekends, I kind of had to make a plan. Um, and that just kind of catapulted me into the world of business. Um, and then throughout UCT, I had a few different businesses that were, I had an IT company, we had a mobile entertainment company, uh, kind of always just tried a few different things, mostly in areas that I loved. Uh, I was a huge uh, nerd uh, in the computer space in high school and university, um, and kind of just turned that into a business where I would buy and sell computers and custom computers and uh, internet services and that kind of thing. Uh, also a huge lover of music uh, that kind of got me DJing. And then from DJing, it went into full on uh, productions for events. Sure. Um, uh, and then, I mean, I can carry on through, um, yeah, I guess straight after I finished finance and accounts, which if I'm honest with you and your listeners, I, I didn't particularly enjoy. I kind of studied finance and accounts just because I was running businesses in matric and um, all my mates were going to study the same thing because they want to wanted to become chartered accountants. And I was kind of like, okay, cool. Uh, I'll just do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I kind of glided through. Uh, I was fortunate that I could uh, put in the minimum amount of work and still kind of pass. Um, but I wasn't passionate about education at the time. I kind of wish that I was. Um, and then straight after that, I went into the startup world 
all my friends went to do their articles and I said, I'd rather just go run a business. Uh, and I joined um, a friend of mine who was a few years my senior. He was an engineer. Uh, he had recently founded a, a tech company called Simple Tech. Um, and as an engineer, he had the tech side waxed. Uh, and he said, are you happy to come help me grow the business? Uh, and I did. And I was there for about four and a half years and it was awesome. Uh, I learned a lot. It was definitely a crash course in how to scale a business. <laughs> um, we, we grew very quickly, um, both uh, our team and our revenues, which was rad, uh, no complaints. Um, but I guess after that amount of time, I did kind of start to question, like, what is my greater purpose? Yeah. Um, like, why am I actually on this earth? Why do I, what change can I make other than servicing ultra wealthy clientele, which was the simple tech model. And a mentor of mine took me on a bit of a, a reflection journey and kind of said to me, just look, look through your career as an entrepreneur to date and try pinpoint the elements where you were in flow state and you were just happy and you could wake up every single day with zero resentment and you just loved what you were doing so much that you could just keep doing it and try combine that with things that you're really good at uh, and we'll try find your, um, your sweet spot. Um, and the real uh, insight that I gleaned from that was that whilst I didn't particularly enjoy studying finance and accounts at UCT, I was part of a, a social entrepreneurship consultancy called CIA. Uh, and that was basically a simple program. Every single Friday, we would go into Kailicha for three hours to train unemployed females how to start and run a business. Um, and it was a six-week training program. And those that passed the program, we would issue them a micro-grant uh, to start their business. And then we'd go back every week for another three hours to consult them in now growing this business. And I was part of that organization for a few years. And really what I realized was, yes, I'm an entrepreneur, but what really fuels me is social entrepreneurship. It's, it's like using my, my commercial understanding and passion um, to do good. Uh, and as soon as I realized that, I, I sat down with my, um, uh, my partner at, at Simple Tech at the time and I, and I basically said, look, dude, like, I love you. I love this. It's great like, please go ahead, just scale this, carry on going. I think I need to find, I think I need to take a step back and see what else I can do. Yeah. Um, and that was in 2017, early 2017. And that was the start of this journey. Um, I didn't land straight into trusted interns. Mm -hmm. uh, I piloted a few different projects in education and student financing and property, um, all social impact driven. Uh, um, and then in about August, 2017, trusted interns, uh, basically became my full-time passion project. Well, it started as a side hustle and ended up becoming a full-time project. Brilliant. You know what I love about what you said? And I think uh, uh, the, the guys listening would, you know, need to take away is, is just how many, um, projects and, and startups you were involved in. There's just that gathering of, of, and trying and testing, um, that gathering of wisdom is just so, so critical. Yeah. And it doesn't stop. I mean, in the last three years, trusted interns, whilst our purpose has never changed and our values have never changed and 
those won't. I mean, that's something that is core to every single decision and partnership and product or initiative that we build or launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our commercial model has changed a number of times. Our, our, our target audience from a client point of view has changed many times. Uh, our tactics and our route to market has changed a number of times. Um, entrepreneurship is, it's, it's dynamic. I mean, I, I yeah. guess uh, you would know that and I'm sure your listeners know that. It's, it's, it's very rarely as simple as I have an idea, I'm going to build a product or a service and it works. Yeah. Um, it, it really is about the journey and I, I, you're right. I, I've been fortunate to have many failures in the past. I mean, a lot of the projects that I said to you now, I mean, there were successes for a short amount of time, but other than simple tech, many of them don't exist today. So you could largely consider those failures, uh, but not good failures because many, many lessons learned. Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful and privileged to be able to have had those so I can use them to inform how we go about what we do today to help more people. Brilliant. Now you've done incredibly well. And if I'm right, Trusted Interns has recently just merged with an organization, I believe called Knowledge Trust. Tell us more about that. Sure. So uh, the Knowledge Trust is a organization with a similar purpose to Trusted Interns, but quite different. Um, Their purpose is to uh, help everybody realize their full potential uh, and to make sure that uh, we as an organization can make more education more accessible to more people more often and sustainably. So essentially what happened was we, uh, as trusted interns, our primary focus was helping youth get jobs. Uh, But very quickly after launching trusted interns, we identified that the the youth unemployment landscape is far greater and far more complex than simply job creation. Yes. Uh, there's an education element to it. There is a financing element to it. There's a coaching and a mentorship element to it. It's really diverse. Um, and if we really are going to sustainably and effectively fight this fight, uh, we need to be mindful of that and try to address from as many angles as, pos- angles as possible. So, Uh, The decision to join forces with the Knowledge Trust was really about, at the end of the day, our purpose is to help our community um, get that job, but to progress their career. And uh, because one of our values is collaboration, we've always been about partnerships and collabs and working with other organizations. Um, And the Knowledge Trust is perfectly aligned with us from a values point of view. Um, uh, in terms of what they're trying to achieve in both South Africa and globally. And essentially, uh, I sat down with the founder and we just said, we're both building communities. We're both trying to help uh, individuals progress their career. You've got the education side. We've got the job side. Let's just work together. Um, Let's see if we can collaborate to scale our impact collectively rather than just going on our own separate missions. So uh, that is quite a new... um, uh, I'd say breakthrough for trusted interns. Uh, I've also taken on the role as country manager for the Knowledge Trust. So over and above leading the trusted interns team, I'm also leading the the Knowledge Trust team in, in, and to make sure that we can bring more education uh, opportunities to our community. And we're really, really, really excited about this. Um, the Knowledge Trust also has a global presence, uh, which feeds very much into our latest Shift Tomorrow initiative, which I'm sure you and I will touch on just now. Brilliant. That's super exciting. The collaboration thing is such an important message as well. Um, There there is, 
there's so much value in trying to see where you can, you know, add value to other organizations you know, who are aligned. Um, there's a lot of islands out there, unfortunately, in the entrepreneurship space. Um, and that's, that's not, not the best way to, to operate. So that leads me to my next question. I want to I ask you a little bit more specifically about entrepreneurship and what's going on in South Africa. Um, what do you feel about the role uh, of, of the entrepreneur today, particularly in the South African context? I think it's pivotal. Um, we we speak about this quite often internally, actually, because uh, in fact, the so about a year ago, um, we ran a campaign with a company called Yoko. I can touch that touch on that just now uh, when we discuss shifts tomorrow. But Yoko is it's the credit card machine company. Uh, they've got tens of thousands of merchants across South Africa. Um, and the, the reason that we decided to collaborate was because of a very simple quote by Clem Sunter, which is the best way to create 5 million jobs is to enable 500,000 entrepreneurs to mm. grow their business. So we really do believe that entrepreneurs, uh, and micro and small business in South Africa are absolutely the growth engine of our economy, uh, from both a, a stimulating GDP point of view, but also a job creation point of view. So whilst we are at least currently focused on placing youth into jobs, uh, we are very cognizant of the, uh, the greater uh, macroeconomic levers that can drive job creation and uh, GDP growth. And anything we can do to support entrepreneurs in growing uh, and also anything that we can do to enable our community to self-employ, uh, we do. So we offer a lot of free entrepreneurship education to our community uh, because we know that not everyone wants to get a job. Some people just want to do their own thing and we support that. So if you're part of our network, even if you don't want to get a job and you want to start a business, we'll do what we can to help you get there. But just to go back to your question, I think uh, without us fostering a supportive and inclusive entrepreneurship culture in the country, in South Africa, uh, we, we aren't doing what we need to do to empower everyone and to transform South Africa to a place of inclusive prosperity. Uh, and we often speak to inclusion, inclusive growth, inclusive prosperity. Uh, and the truth is you can only have that when everyone is included. Uh, and entrepreneurs are a, are, are a major part of that. Oh, brilliant. I couldn't agree more. But I've left the, the, the best for, for almost last, you know, because I'm really excited to chat to you about what you mentioned earlier, the Shift Tomorrow movement. So this is, a, I believe, a biannual initiative that aims to increase access and remove the roadblocks to the job market. Um, and, and you've done some amazing things, like the partnering with Uber to get youth to their job interviews, for, for one, and then you just mentioned the, the Yoko uh, organizational company. You've also partnered with them. Um, and the current Shift Tomorrow is currently in progress, I, I believe. So tell us what's happening with the Shift Tomorrow movement this year. Jared, before I respond to that, I know you're going to have to do some cut, cut, cut and pasting here. Can I just close my door? My flipping neighbor is using his bloody leaf blower, which he does every Friday morning. Can you give me a second? Absolutely. Shot. Have you been able to hear that the whole time? No, not at all. It's been great. Um, there's been one or two 
okay, cool. uh, little lags in, in connection, but um, unfortunately, that's just the way um, with Zoom, we, we kind of just position it with our listeners that you know, we can't yeah. get a person. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Okay, cool. Uh, so I'm just going to answer your question as you just asked it. Cool. Um, Shift Tomorrow is an initiative that we launched in Jan 2018. And to go back to what I was saying earlier is uh, very quickly after launching Trusted Interns, did we re realize that we can't simply try solve youth unemployment by being a job matching platform. There are so many roadblocks. There are so many barriers. There are so many extraneous factors that we never considered on day one uh, that will prevent us from achieving our own mission. And essentially, Shift Tomorrow was just a way that we said twice a year we will run a campaign to try address one of these roadblocks, just to um, just try and make our path a bit clearer. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the first one that we ran was a partnership with a few education providers. And there we said we had a cohort of tens of thousands of youth using our platform, but many of them only had a matric. Uh, so we said, how can we upskill these individuals uh, with online education so that they can learn a new skill, become more employable and increase their chances of getting a job. Uh, and we just gave away a whole lot of free education as part of that campaign. Uh, and then we ended up having a cohort that was uh, at least a small cohort uh, that were more, were more employable. The second one was that partnership with Yoko. And here we kind of flipped it upside down. We said, this time around, let's not try remove a barrier for the youth. Let's see if we can remove a barrier for entrepreneurs. So uh, I sat down with the team at Yoko and we said, look, you've got a community of, I think at the time it was 45,000 merchants. It's much larger now. We had a community of tens of thousands of youth. How can we bring those communities together? Um, and the reality is uh, many of their merchants are micro enterprises, uh, very small businesses, some of them even solo entrepreneurs don't always have the cash flow or the resources to access a platform like ours, which is a curated service that does cost money. Uh, and basically we say there, well, we want to help the Yoko community of merchants grow. And to do that, we'll give them free access to our platform. So we subsidized the fees substantially. Yoko covered the balance. So it ended up being hundred percent free for the merchant. Sure. And yeah, that was just one way of trying to create more job opportunities in that sector or that segment. Then the third shift tomorrow was in January this year. Uh, I want to say it was, it's our biggest one to date, but the one that we're running now is actually getting some great traction, so it might not be. Um, but it was definitely one of the most exciting. So that was a partnership with Uber, uh, which again came from one of our uh, insights that we just picked up in our data, where a few months prior, we launched a free service to our clients where we, we would schedule interviews for them. So that was never a service we offered as part of our standard packages before. It was more a, like a paid bespoke option. We, for, as a promo, we offered it to everyone. And I'm so glad that we did because essentially what we noticed is that um, there was a massive drop off rate in the number of interviews that we were scheduling versus the number of interviews that were actually happening. Yeah. And it just, it, it just didn't make sense to us because we'd facilitated a whole curation and shortlisting process for our clients. These were technically the most dedicated and committed individuals uh, and the ones that made sense for these businesses to meet with. And they just weren't getting to the interviews. So we picked up the phone, 
called a bunch of them, did a bit of uh, uh, research and surveys. And it turns out that the overwhelming reason that they weren't getting to the interviews was because they simply didn't have enough money to take a taxi there or to get there. Yeah. And it was just, when, I, when we picked this up, I couldn't believe it. Um, and it was a classic example of, I don't want to say being blinded by privilege, but if, if an issue isn't yours, you often just don't know yep. about it. Um, and the truth is that even when we went to employer networks to tell them about this, they had no idea. They were shocked. Um, but it made so much sense. So we got in touch with the team at Uber uh, and we said, look, this is what our data says. It's a massive issue. It's completely preventing us from delivering on our purpose and our vision and our mission. Is there any way that you would consider partnering us to sol- with us to solve this? And we we're very grateful that they were. Uh, they were like in fact, incredibly excited. Um, and I met with them a couple of days ago to see how we can actually start to scale this more once uh, COVID calms down. And they're still incredibly excited to keep doing it. Um, but basically what we did there was we offered every single individual in our community the ability to get a free Uber ride to and from their first interview uh, if they couldn't afford it. And the success rate from that was astonishing. So uh, the most recent stat that we picked up is that 26.5% of the individuals who we gifted with a free Uber to get to an interview ended up uh, getting, an, getting and accepting a job offer from that company. That's so, amazing. yeah, so that's the most, it's just, it's rad. We, we, we couldn't be more stoked. And now we're currently in the middle or reaching the end of our most recent version, uh, which is called Global Youth, which is essentially to take South African youth to the world remotely. And here the barrier that we're removing is the, the border barrier. So here, since COVID has become a reality and remote working has become the norm, uh, we started speaking to a few UK clients and basically said, you're open to remote working now. Your whole teams have gone remote. There's no reason why you shouldn't consider UK. Uh, we have incredibly uh, ambitious and talented and uh, uh, smart individuals who we can introduce you to and you can hire them at a fraction of the cost as what you would in the UK. Uh, and it's exciting because for our community, it means that they can still live in South Africa. So they can live local, but they can work global. Uh, they can still support their families and their communities here. They can still spend all their money on local businesses and uplift our own economy. They're just doing it with global clients. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've run a, a four week remote work readiness program where essentially our youth have been invited to take part in this free four-step course, if you will. Uh, Each step is designed to equip them with a specific skill to make them more remotely employable. And the final hurdle, challenge four, is a 10-module online course written by GitLab, uh, which is the Remote Foundations Certification. So GitLab, if your listeners don't know, they're the largest all-remote organization in the world. They've got 1,300 employees in over 60, you know, they're over 1,300 employees in 65 countries and not a single office. Uh, and they've basically written the playbook on how to work remotely. So our whole community is now going through that. And then we're going to start securing them with uh, remote jobs, either locally or globally. Brilliant. That is super exciting. I really love um, how the Shift Tomorrow um, kind of approach is to, is to tackle very specific barriers, um, knuckle down and, and get to... to to working on those things. I think there's a, there's often a sense and particularly now in the world with, of COVID, you know, that there's just so 
to solve. There's just these massive yeah. problems and barriers everywhere. And that whole story, you know, how do you eat the elephant? Um, you know, and, and I really love, love how this is, is, is getting down to actually doing some work specifically to eradicate a barrier. So well done. I think it's super exciting. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate it. It's um, uh, two things I want to say, and I'll try not to take too long. But the one is I attended one of the heavy shift talks uh, on platforms um, uh, when they were still happening at Workshop 17. Yes. Uh, and two of the speakers there were Aisha Pandur from Sweep South and uh, Kaklecho Mapai from Yoko. Yes. And both of them spoke to uh, the fact that when you're running a platform, when to build a platform, it's very, very, very easy to get distracted because the nature of a platform is that once you've got a community using it, you can kind of sell them anything or you can do anything. Um, and it's very easy to be blinded by all those different opportunities and say, okay, well, we're currently doing um, uh, job placement. So let's also place freelancers and let's also sell them education. And let's also, um, mm -hmm. if we're getting them remote jobs, let's sell them laptops. I mean, it's just so easy to just come here go crazy. Everybody. Exactly. Um, and Shift Tomorrow was just our way of keeping that focused. Um, and the second thing I wanted to say, which a lot of your entrepreneurs out there may or may not be feeling, but I'm happy to just get vulnerable and say that a few months ago, like a few weeks into lockdown, maybe even a few weeks ago, I can't even remember. Um, I almost had a breakdown because I was just looking at what's happening in the world. And I was like, like, am I doing enough? <laughs> like this gender-based violence, there's xenophobia, there's the Black Lives Matter movement, there is poverty. I'm just like, I felt so insignificant because like I wasn't contributing to all these problems. And it, it took a few of my mentors to actually just say, Jared, just calm down. Uh, you can only do so much. Um, and I think for anyone out there, it's easy to get overwhelmed right now. And just don't. Just as long as you stick to your vision, your values, your purpose, do work that matters and focus, you'll, you'll be good. Brilliant. Yeah, I think, Jared, just very quickly, I, my bells just rung. I think it's a delivery that my girlfriend's not yet to get it. Let cool. me quickly answer that and then you can respond. Hello? How's it? I'm coming down now. Sorry, yeah, this is take long. Right. did not expect that. BRB. How's it? Are you still connected? Yeah, we are. Cool. So um, let's pick up. I'm just going to go back. I think um, I just what I wrote down something here. On. Headphones just connecting. Cool. Are you there?
Can you hear me? Jared, I can't hear you. So if oh no. <laughs> if you are talking, just hold up. Um, yeah, I am talking. Okay, we're back. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. Uh, my AirPods were playing games with me. Yeah, no worries. Okay. Cool. Sorry uh, about that. I didn't expect that. No, not a, not a problem. We can definitely sort that out. Um, let's go on to, I think it's probably our, our final question um, for, for today's uh, chat, but you've given us so much to, to think about. And I, just going back to what you spoke about now in terms of, of needing to... Jared, hold on. My earphones have disconnected again. I don't know what the fuck is going on here. I'm so sorry. And I'm sure you can hear me, but I can't hear you. Just chill, chill, chill. In fact, let's just get rid of the headphones. It's got old school. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. Let's hope that doesn't happen again. Okay, you were good. <laughs> stress. Go on to your last question. <laughs> I think also, you know, hopefully, I think that, that we have lots more conversations to have and, and we'll definitely be able to, you know, touch this up if need be in the future. So don't, let's not stress too much cool. about it. Um, cool. Yeah, I think the final question, it's, it links to, to what you just said about... Um, being kind of, you know, I mean, as you were saying about uh, being honest with our entrepreneurs that, you know, you were close to, to kind of breaking point because you, 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 you get overwhelmed. You get, we all get this sort of sense. That there's just so much to do and, and going back also to your barriers, et cetera, et cetera. But the idea of, of bringing focus into what it is you can do and where you can affect change is, is a really critical message that I think you bring, um, you know, to the, the, the world of entrepreneurship. Um, it, so I think my last question is, in, in light of that, what advice would you give our entrepreneurs or any entrepreneurs who are about to start their, their company, their business now in this, this world that is, is kind of upside down at the moment? Yeah. Uh, tough question <laughs> because uh, there's so many pieces of advice that I can give and I'm just trying to work out what the best one is. Like if I was to be given one piece of advice, what would that be? But I think the easiest thing is to just follow on on this, the analogy of the elephant, how to eat an elephant, which we were discussing a little bit earlier. Um, and I guess that kind of speaks to focus. So I think the, the, the general entrepreneur advice that would always be given is um, like take risks, never give up, learn from your failures, um, be as frugal as you possibly can, uh, make sure you're making a sale, like starting a business is very little unless you're actually selling something. It's not real until you've sold something. Um, even if you're not selling anything for money, if you're selling opportunities or impact or whatever that may be. So those are the standard things. Um, but I think the key thing that I've learned over the last few years is focus um, and understanding what the elephant looks like and working out how to compartmentalize how you want to eat it. And if you are going to, take one bite at a time 
how do you know what bites to take, which are ultimately going to take you closer to eating the whole thing? Um, and what we did for that, and uh, I'm more than happy to uh, share some more insights with you via email if you want to send this on to your community. But I use a framework called Scaling Up. It's yes. a book written by Vern Harnish. Yeah, very um, well. Okay, great. So, I mean, the Scaling Up methodology is really, okay, take the Jim Collins approach and understand what your BHAG is, your big, hairy, audacious goal. What do you want to achieve 25 years from now? And then start to break that down. In order to get to that 25-year goal, what do you have to do in the next three to five years? Uh, and in order to do that in the next three to five years, what do you need to do in the next year? And if you need to do that in the next year, what do you have to do in the next quarter? And if you need to do that in your quarter, what are you doing daily and weekly? to help you get closer. So right. we literally, we, we just work backwards. We say, this is where we need to be. Our vision is 25 years from now, we are here. And then just work backwards from there. And then we, we document that in a, in a strategic plan. It's called the OPSP, a one-page strategic plan. Uh, and every single quarter, we have five company priorities. And every single person in the team has their own five priorities that all speak to us achieving our quarterly priorities. Um, and we don't deviate from that unless the data changes. So sure. we make that decision at the beginning of the quarter. We've got that theme and we go ahead and then we monitor the data. And if things change, then we'll adapt. But otherwise you just stick to that focus. Um, and I think that what, that's what can help with the overwhelm. Um, sure. Any entrepreneur starting a business now, will very likely be overwhelmed because the markets are a bit upside down. Um, there's a lot of change happening. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, it will be very difficult for anyone, no matter how smart you are, to predict what's going to happen in the next three months. Um, so I guess just don't think about where you want to be three months from now. Say, work out what change do you want to make in this world? Uh, and what does that look like 25 years from now? And then just take the baby steps that you, you the best, baby steps you can to help you get there Brilliant. jared thank you so much i really appreciate it um and for joining us today it's very clear that your passion and drive and commitment to your purposes is is real and, and you're living it and it's truly inspirational to to me and to, and to i'm confident to all our listeners um, and i know that we've learned something today and, and i will be sharing uh, at the bottom of this uh podcast links through to trusted interns and the shift tomorrow um, more information about that will, will definitely be made available. Jared, thanks so much for your, for your time. And uh, hopefully we will be connecting with you very soon to, to hear more about what's going on with you. No, thank you, Jared. And uh, thank you for all that you're doing for the entrepreneurs out there. Uh, it's great work. It's been really great to chat. And I look forward to many more going forward.